0: And so tonight, I want to kind of carry that on. Uh, I think that what I'm going to share tonight kind of ties into that, kind of doesn't, but um, it kind of does. It was it was 1 Corinthians 12 that James preached from uh, last week. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about uh, the body having many members, but each member having a different function, right? Do you remember that? That, that? He talked about that out of 1 Corinthians 12. But the context of which that scripture is written to the church in Corinth, if you read the first 11 verses of chapter 12, he talks about the manifestations or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, because I think that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit actually function best within the body of Christ. They actually function their best for the blessing of each other in the body of Christ. That's what scripture tells us, and that's what we're going to dive in tonight. So if you've got your Bible, you can crack it open to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, If not, it's going to be on the screen in a couple minutes. Um, But I think that one of the greatest, I don't know, ignorances that exists in the church today are of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit or the operation of the Holy Spirit and how they function within church and so tonight I want to bring a couple of points of reference, a couple of uh, maybe teachings to you. The first thing that I want to touch on tonight is uh, the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. There are three of them that I will highlight to you tonight, but that, that, this is not a complete message in of itself. You could dive into a lot more, but there are three that I want to highlight. And I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe one of the most confused items in the Bible. Or debated amongst the church the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's actually caused division in the church, which I think grieves the heart of God. And I know it grieves my heart. First off, let me just start by saying to you tonight that the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's my friend. And he's not weird. People are weird. And people weird do weird things, weird people do weird things, and oftentimes sometimes oftentimes maybe you've seen it happen before in the church, we blame it on the Holy Spirit. And it freaks people out. And what I've seen the enemy do is he's started to take those different things that are weird and blame them on the Holy Spirit and cause a fear to enter into the heart of the believer towards the Holy Spirit. So we just kind of we just kind of stay away from that topic. And I think that we're doing ourselves a a great disservice. Francis Chan wrote a book a while ago called The Forgotten God. And and I don't know if you've ever read it, but he just talks about how uh, there's an absence of the, the talk about and the teaching of who the Holy Spirit is and what his function is in the life of a believer today. So I think that what happens sometimes to us is we think that we need to only have the Holy Spirit in little douses. But how many know tonight that you don't just need the Holy Spirit in a little snippet at a time, but you need to be completely immersed in the Holy Spirit? That we actually can't live the overcoming Christian life that we were created and destined to live without the Spirit of God flowing in us and through us, touching the world around us. We won't see that happen until we make room in our hearts and our lives for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Because the life of a Christian is not supposed to be a naturally produced effort, uh, your best effort. It's supposed to be a supernatural, empowered life that is empowered by and through a relationship with the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to touch on this in a sec. That's why Jesus said that it's better for you if I go away. It's better for you. Because the Holy Spirit is wanting to uh, fill each and every one of our lives. I don't know what your tradition is or what your background is. I don't know if your church teaches on the Holy Spirit or touches on the Holy Spirit. I just want to assure you tonight that the Holy Spirit is not going to make you roll around on the ground and bark like a dog and run around the room with jibba jabbish coming out of your mouth. You need the Holy Spirit, and I need the Holy Spirit. We cannot afford to keep a distance between us and the Holy Spirit. I kind of feel like tonight is a night that God wants to do something in our lives. And my heart and my desire is that you would encounter the Holy Spirit. And that you would leave here completely transformed and changed by His power and by His grace. I pray that God would move you, if there's fear in your heart tonight about who the Holy Spirit is, that he would move you from a a place of fear to a place of safety and security in his love for you. Because my Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And because the Holy Spirit is God and God is love, the Holy Spirit operates out of love. And so I pray my heart tonight is that you would encounter the Holy Spirit first and foremost, he's not weird. Secondly, he's not a force. It's not like uh, the, the the Star Wars you know movies where there's "May the Force be with you," and some have the force and others don't have the force. And we need the force of the Holy Spirit. He, he's not an it. He's God. I was in China a few years ago. Uh, ministering with the Gideons International in Canada, and I was with a brother in China who was our, our leader on that trip, and he had been to Bible school, and one of his pastors at his church, I won't mention what the denomination was, but one of his pastors at his church, um, his, my friend's name is Rocky, he was kind of freaked out because the Holy Spirit was manifest, or showing himself mightily in and through the ministry that we were doing in that trip, and blind eyes were opening, deaf ears were opening, people were speaking in tongues, I think they were, I don't understand Mandarin or Canada. Cantonese, but I'd heard them speaking, and it, it seemed like a heavenly language to me, but, but he was kind of freaked out about this, and we jumped in the bus after the church service, and we were driving three hours to our next church service, and he was asking me about it, and he said that when he went to Bible school, his pastor told him, listen, they're going to teach you some great things, but as soon as they start talking about the Holy Spirit, get out of that conversation, and I said, why would he tell you that? He said, because there's so much confusion about tongues and the manifestation of the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, and do I have the Holy Spirit, am I baptized or am I not baptized, and all this sort of stuff, he says, so he told me to stay away from it. He says, for the last four years, I barely even mentioned the name of the Holy Spirit until this trip with you guys. And so I began to have a conversation and unpack some of the functions of the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to share with you tonight, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through our lives. So are you ready? All right. First of all, you might say tonight, I already have the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian in the place, I want to reaffirm that that is true. When you are saved, when you're born again, when you you are given the Holy Spirit, you actually, actually you cannot... It's impossible for you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior without the Holy Spirit. It's actually impossible. And the Holy Spirit, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, He's actually working in your life before you even know it. So if you're here and you're in the place and you're not a Christian, you've never professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never recognized the need for a Savior, that you're a sinner, and you need a, need a Savior, the Holy Spirit actually is the one that brought you here tonight. You might think that your friend invited you, but the Holy Spirit actually brought you here tonight. The Bible says that none can come to the Lord unless the Holy Spirit, unless the Spirit draws them. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3 says this, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings you to a place of decision in regards to who Jesus is and what he's done for you. The Holy Spirit is already working in your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that he is actually the seal of Of our guarantee. How many are thankful that you can have a guarantee that when you die, if you die, and you've professed a faith in Jesus Christ, that you will be with Jesus for all of eternity. There's actually a guarantee. And you know, the guarantee is not your best efforts. It's not based on your church attendance. It's not based on your Bible reading. Although those things are important. I am thankful that I have a guarantee by the grace of God of his spirit. And this is what the Bible says to us. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So if I were to ask you tonight, do you know if you are saved? Do you know if you've been adopted by God into His family as a son or as a daughter? You can have a guarantee that He is the seal. Of God's approval as a son and God's adoption as a son or a daughter into Christ. He is the seal of our guarantee. So maybe the question is, we need to ask ourselves tonight, is not do I have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have me? Let's look at a couple of key functions of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the one that helps us. John 15, verse 26. Jesus said this. He said, When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our intercessor. He's our counselor. He's the one that helps us every day follow after God. He's the one who helps me be a good dad. How many ever heard that song, The Fruit of the Spirit? Maybe you haven't. I've got four kids, and uh, we were teaching my, my kids the fruit of the spirit, and there's this one song that we found on the internet, and I'm not gonna sing it, but I'll say it. It says, The fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit is not a coconut, fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. You want to be a coconut? You might as well hear it. It can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, come on, sing along. You know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit of the spirit is not a watermelon. Okay. <laughs> come on, give it up. The Holy Spirit and an evidence as to us being followers of Jesus is that the fruit of the Spirit will automatically manifest itself through our lives in the fruit of the Spirit. Love. When you feel like hating. Peace. When you feel depression and discouragement, joy, when you feel depressed, the Holy Spirit is the helper who helps us to live the Christian life that God has called us to live. He's our helper. He's the one that helps me be a good dad. Oftentimes, when I'm with my kids and I, my, my stress is at a max and my patience is nearly gone and I'm like going to pull my heads out, my hair out of my head because they're not listening, I'm like, Holy Spirit, just help me. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. John 16 verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the help will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit is never going to bring judgment to you. It says he will, spit, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Some of us as Christians, we try and do the Holy Spirit's job for him. And convict people of sin. Oh, you should never do that. You can't be sleeping with your... You can't do that. You should never... Blah, 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 blah. When the Bible actually teaches that it's the Holy Spirit's job... And function to convict the world of sin. I was convicted of my sin before anybody ever said anything to me. And I now am convicted of my sin before anybody even says anything to me. There's sin in my life that happens sometimes that nobody even knows about. But the Holy Spirit knows. And he actually doesn't bring condemnation. He brings conviction. It says that the Holy Spirit, when the Helper has come, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Listen, it does not say that the Holy Spirit came to, to judge you, it says that He came to judge the ruler of this world because He has been judged. And he's been deemed defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a second. Jesus said, Jesus, he walked with his disciples and he's teaching them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even understand who the Holy Spirit was. And he's with them. He's doing miracles and signs and wonders. And, and, and they're just hanging out with Jesus in the flesh, incarnate. He's hanging out with God. And Jesus says to these guys, it's better for you. It's to your advantage that I go away. So that the Holy Spirit can come and his function when he comes will be to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Now we understand the conviction of sin part, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? When was the last time you let the Holy Spirit convict you of righteousness? That's a serious question that God just opened up when I, when I read this scripture and heard this for the first time. The Holy Spirit is... The agent of the Trinity that brought us to Christ, he convicts us of sin. And you never get saved without the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. He reveals the need for Christ, but he also convicts us of righteousness. The Holy Spirit wants to convict you of righteousness. What does that mean? He wants to convict or convince you that because he has gone to the Father... And taking care of everything that needed to be taken care of. In order for you to be in right standing with God. You can have great joy and celebration. You can have great peace and, and celebration. That he convicts us of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians he says this. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you friends that there is no such thing as a good Christian and a bad Christian. Now hear me here for a second. It's not the good Christians that show up to church early, tithe, and read their Bible. And the bad Christians, they're just lost out in the world somewhere. You are either a born again, sanctified, called by God, son or daughter of the living God, or you are lost in your sin. There is such a thing as a mature and an immature Christian But allow the Holy Spirit tonight to convict you of righteousness. Because he became sin, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Isn't that good news? That's one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. And he convicts of judgment. He brings judgment on the ruler of this world is judged. In verse 11 it says, the judgment is not that we are going to be judged... Because as believers, he took the judgment, he defeated Satan, he defeated the curse of the law. But that Satan, the ruler of this world, has been judged. Listen, friend, Jesus defeated Satan 2,000 years ago. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you or convince you that because of the blood of Jesus, Satan has been judged and he no longer has a hold on you, he's been defeated. You have authority over the enemy and you no longer have to put up with his nonsense in your life. That's one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. He helps me all the time. See how important it is that we recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I couldn't go a minute without him. Neither can you. He wants to help you in your daily life at work to know what to say and what not to say. I've heard stories of people in college and university taking a test that they didn't study for and they asked the Holy Spirit to give them the answer. They said, Jesus, you said that the Holy Spirit would give us answers and the Holy Spirit gives them answers to questions they didn't even know the answer to. He wants to help you. He wants to be Your helper. John 14 verse 26 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. One of the other primary functions of the Holy Spirit is he wants to be your teacher. Now some people hide behind that and say, I don't need church because I've got the Holy Spirit teaching me. But how many know the Holy Spirit wants to use your pastor to teach you? And there's value in sitting under the teaching of an apostle or a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist. There's value to us. Second thing that I get from this is that he wants to bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Now listen, if you're not in the word of God, this is one of the greatest dilemmas of young people right now in the church. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of this one. But don't stay there. If you're not in the word of God, learning and reading and studying and asking God to speak to you the words that Jesus says about you and what he's called you to, then how can the Holy Spirit bring them to remembrance? The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what has already been deposited within you. And that primarily happens through the word of God. So if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you do have the Holy Spirit. And I've got good news for you. There's more. There's more of the Holy Spirit to be had. And I want you to know tonight, friends, that you're on solid biblical ground to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just quickly dive in to this portion Hebrews 6. Verse 1 to 3 says this Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. These are the elementary foundational teachings of the apostles towards the church. And he's saying to them, let us not lay these foundations again. But he says this. He says, of the foundation of repentance from dead works. Of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Did it say baptism? Or baptisms? So does anybody know how many baptisms there are? I just gave you a little hint. Three. I don't want to show you them really quickly here in Scripture, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. By the way, the word baptism means to completely immerse you. We sang tonight about the river, that there is a river. You know, the river in Ezekiel 47 talks about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's flow in and through the life of a believer. It talks about in that river You might, as a believer, just be filled up to your ankle. Now, do you have the Holy Spirit there? Yeah. Maybe that represents the Holy Spirit just leading and directing your life, helping you, being your teacher, being your guide. Or maybe you've got the Holy Spirit and you're filled up to your knees. And that represents this Adoration towards God, your prayer life that you do encounter the Holy Spirit in and through your life maybe on a daily, maybe a weekly maybe every so often when you come to church but it represents you being on your knees in a place positionally as of adoration of God but you know the desire of the Holy Spirit is complete immersion I might get in trouble for this later but I don't care Not the mic. Maybe that was bad, but I'll pay for it out of my paycheck later. Yeah, I don't really. It'll be my whole paycheck. Maybe you can split it with me. Can you split it? Three of us will go, you told me to do it, bro, so we've got to split it. I saw someone do that before. It looked a lot better. You get the point, right? Alright, so the first baptism. It's the baptism of salvation. We already talked about this briefly, but let me just reiterate it. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says this, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. This is... What happens at salvation? We are baptized by faith into the body of Christ. We are one, completely immersed in the body of Christ. That's why you can't do it separate, because we need each other. By one Spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. This isn't water baptism. This is what happens when you accept Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit baptizes you into his body. Now maybe you're here tonight and you've never been baptized into the body of Christ. You've never seen and recognized that Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh, that he lived a sinless and a perfect life, but he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And maybe the Holy Spirit has convicted you and led you to a place where tonight you're like... I want that. Right now is a perfect time for you to be baptized into the body of Christ. And it's the Spirit of God who's functioning in your life tonight to draw you to that place, to say, yes, I want to become a child of God. I want the love of God to so infuse and encounter my life that I will be forever changed, if that's you tonight. Just quietly in that place of your heart to say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. The first baptism is being baptized into the body of Christ. Now, in that baptism, who does the baptizing? The Holy Spirit does the baptizing. None can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And the Spirit draws us. We make a decision. We're baptized into the body of Christ. The second baptism is the baptism of water. If we're wanting to be obedient to the commands of Scripture, we need to make a choice to be baptized in water. This is the baptism that Jesus had in mind when he said in Matthew 28, verse 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples. Followers of Jesus, right? They've already experienced the first baptism. Baptized into the body. They're now disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Now baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who does the baptizing in water baptism? The disciples. And they're baptizing us into water, which is something that signifies dying to your old self and being raised again in the newness of life that God has for you. If you have never been baptized in water, if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is the Savior. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you have never been baptized in water, I want to encourage you, tomorrow, email your pastor. And tell him, I want to be baptized in water. Let me tell you, friends, it's more than just a a, a symbolism thing that happens. There's something that supernaturally happens. When you say publicly, when you say, I am dying to myself. And the dead person, the dead Casey, is staying in the water. And I'm raising, I'm being raised up in the newness of life in Jesus Romans 6, 3-5 says this, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of God the Father, even so we could walk in the newness of life. Listen friends, salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone. I know I'm going late, but this is good stuff, Right? Salvation comes through faith in Jesus. There's no add-ons. It's not salvation in through faith plus baptism. Baptism is a step of faith and obedience to Jesus once you've been saved. And if there's pastors in the room tonight, I would just encourage you next time that you, you, you do baptism. May that be an opportunity for people to spontaneously, that maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus, say, "I'm in!" Let it be an opportunity to declare the gospel and give people an invitation to receive Christ and be baptized in water immediately right there on the spot. There's power in that. There's something supernatural that happens when you're water baptized. The third baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is what John the Baptist refers to when he talks about Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 11. He says this, he says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance. You're not going to repent unless you believed in Jesus. He said, I baptize with water unto repentance because he, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you or completely immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Who does this baptizing? Check this out. Listen. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One of Jesus's desire for the believer is to be completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. These three baptisms. We've got The baptism into the body of Christ where the Holy Spirit completely immerses us into the body of Christ. We've got water baptizing where a believer or a disciple or a pastor can baptize someone in water. And then we've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit where Jesus completely immerses us in the Holy Spirit. How many want that tonight? We see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire comes to the believer. Man, I was going to go through a bunch of examples. I'm going to give you one. And then we're just going to ask God to do whatever he wants to do. Peter preaches a crazy convicting message in Acts 2, verse 37. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he preaches the gospel to the unsaved. And the Bible says, in in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit convicting? They were cut to the heart. And Peter said to them and to the rest of the apostles, or they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, baptism in water, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, verse 14, I'm going to keep going. Acts 8, verse 14 to 17 says this, now when the apostles Philip is preaching... And it says this, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they had had faith in Jesus, they believed the gospel, they were baptized in the body, they received the word of God, they sent for Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. You're not going to pray for someone who's not a believer to receive the Holy Spirit. As yet, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized, water baptism, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were believers who were water baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And it says, and then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. All three baptisms in one story. There's a few more, but I'm not going to go there right now. Of course, we need to look at the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2, verse 1. Jesus says this, He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They were already believers, they were already baptized in water, and now Jesus is saying, The Holy Spirit's going to come and baptize you and completely immerse you in his spirit. He says, You all shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Does that sound like church to you? There wasn't just a few scattered out in the bushes enjoying nature. They were in the upper room collectively praying with expectation, sitting under the teaching of the apostles and expecting the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now listen. What happened from there? Was what signifies whether or not you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Not the fact that you spoke with tongues. See the devil when this came in the early 1900's. And the renewal of the baptism of the Holy Spirit came through Azusa Street. The devil tried to make it about one doctrine. About one gift. One manifestation. And he caused the whole thing to be messed up. So that we would focus on the gift Or the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When the gift is the Holy Spirit. And there are many manifestations of the Spirit. There are many functions and ways that the Holy Spirit shows himself in and through you. And what impresses me in the Spirit of God when we see him baptize people in Scripture. Is not the fact that they spoke in tongues or prophesied. It's the fact that they went out and won souls. And the church grew and 3,000 were added. They were baptized with the Spirit. They prophesied and many believed. And we need to move out of the church in the baptism of the Holy Spirit to win the world to Jesus. So what do we do? What do we do? 1 Corinthians 12, which I said I was going to read. I'm going to read it just real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Just before verse 12, that was read last week about the body all having different functions but one body. This is the context that Paul says that in. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, why don't we all just stand up to our feet right now? You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I made known to you that no one speaking of the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. For the profit of all within the context of the local church. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the same spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, by the same spirit faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one, it has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, one Spirit, so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free we have been all been made to drink into one spirit We need to learn to drink Maybe you think it's flaky or weird when someone says that you need to drink of the spirit of God but it's scriptural Do not be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the Holy Spirit. And what comes from that place are different manifestations. There's nine different functions that the Holy Spirit acts in that we just read about. Luke 11 says this. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So tonight we're just going to ask. I just want you to close your eyes right now.